0: Thank you, Keith. <laughs> yeah, we thought it was really cool back in the day to name our girls with M's. And uh, we have three M's, Morgan, Meredith, and Madison. And the oldest we get, uh, we call the, uh, the last one by their names. We can't even remember it. But wow, what a Sunday. Back in the day, 97 to 2001, we could only imagine what it would be like to actually be in a building. We were over at Unami Middle School. And our guys were getting lathered up in the morning, uh, setting up chairs, taking down chairs. Ken Merritt needed a bath uh, by the time service started. That was the day. And it's neat to be here to see what God has done in this church. Uh, great memories flooding my mind right now. I remember the first communion service I did when I was pastor. And I started with the, the cup first before the bread. And one of the elders, Bill Cruson, looked at me and he said, uh, Are you sure we're going to do it this way? And I said, Bill, we always do it this way. And, uh, I remember our first Easter service and man, I was preaching Jesus and he was on the cross and I made the statement I said, and, and he was on the cross and the soldiers came and, and they cut Jesus's legs off and, uh, well, they broke his legs, but man, I was, I was into it and people were taking notes. They'd never heard that before. They didn't know what scripture I was preaching from. And, uh, I just want to thank Grace Community Church back in the day for hiring a, a rookie green pastor. And the memories that we had together, those were some sweet times. Grace Community Church, uh, Ann and I learned grace back in the day. We learned grace. How can we ever learn grace without a lot of running into the walls? And when we were here for those four years, God taught us, it's not us, it's not our personalities, it's not our giftedness, but it's God's grace. He taught us community. He taught us the power of relationships. He taught us the joy of interacting with one another from the heart. He taught us that the church was not a building, and the church was not a time slot, and the church was not mortar, but the church was people who had been redeemed by the communion that we share together. Amen for that? So those were some really sweet times. Uh, let us go to the Lord in prayer right now, and then I want to jump into what God has put upon my heart. Father, I thank you that you're a 100% God. I thank you that you're not a 90%er. I thank you that you're not a 52%. I thank you that you did not die for us just on Sunday mornings but that, God, you died for the entirety of our life. God, you died for us, not that we could be religious people. God, you died for us, that our life might be lived wide open for you. And, God, we thank you for that. God, give us the comprehension to be able to fathom what you did upon the cross. Uh, God, as we held that bread in our hands and as we take the juice, God, it was your body that died for the junk in my life. God, that it was your cup that just poured over me so that I can stand today in the presence of Christ, not with my sin going before me, but Christ's righteousness that goes before me. Praise God for that. Lord, I thank you for your favor that has been upon this church. I thank you for the favor that is upon Keith. And God, I thank you for the favor in in so many people's lives. God, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, that we're not normal people. We're abnormal, supernatural people because of Jesus. So Lord, thank you for those reminders today. Lord, I would ask that you would come after us. If there was ever a day in American church history that we need a Savior to pursue us, it's right now. So, Lord, we would ask that you would come after us in a mighty way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, I was an athlete elite back in the day, and I, I really enjoy athletics. And uh, there was a time in high school and college that I really got uh, excited about dunks and uh, Hail Mary football passes And those were some pretty awesome days. But I I turned 51, if you can believe it, a couple months ago. And uh, I'm also a pastor, and and the Lord has changed my awe factor. So instead of becoming really excited about a guy jumping up and dunking a basketball, the thing that turns me on in my life right now is to watch Jesus light people up. Uh, Is to see a life that gets totally transformed by Jesus Christ. To watch somebody that used to be this way, To find the Lord and to see the trajectory and the movement of a person's life change. That's what I live for. I live for that. It's an awesome thing to watch that. Um, The reality is, here's here's the punchline of my message today, is that Jesus Christ has come so that each of us might experience life and experience life to the fullness. Amen for that? But here's the deal. We cannot become who God wants us to be and God has for us to be on our own. We need other people engaging in our life. Let me say that again. The Lord has some amazing things for each and every one of us. The Lord desires for our potential and our dreams to be realized in Christ. But the reality of it is, is that none of us will become what God has for us on our own. It will not happen accidentally. We need other people speaking into our life to release the potential that God has for us. Amen for that. Let me tell you how it worked in my life, one of the seasons of that. Uh, Some of you might remember my mom. Uh, My mom used to come here back in the day. She was a close talker. Her space was about two to three inches away from you. And mom's conversational patterns were, how are you doing? How did you come to know Christ? How can I pray for you? I mean, she was that kind of a lady. And I graduated from Wheaton College, and a psych degree, and I had come home, and I was going to Texas A&M University to get my teacher certificate so that I could become a high school football coach and teacher in Texas. And I drove 45 minutes away to College Station. I was driving back, and I didn't feel good in my heart about what I'd just done. I don't know what it was. I just didn't feel right. I didn't have peace about it. And it was a rainy day, and I was driving a typical fry vehicle that the radio didn't work. And so I was left in my thoughts. And as I was coming home, I came home, and Mom met me at the door, and she said, how'd it go? And I said, Mom, it, it, uh, it, it's just not feeling right. And without even wasting a breath, she said, I know exactly why it's not feeling right. And I said, tell me, oh, why is this woman? Why, why is that? And she said, the reason that God, uh, it's not feeling at peace in you is because God has called you to be a preacher. I said, what? I mean, I was the guy on the back row in church that was mocking the preacher up front. You mean to tell me that? that yeah, that's what I'm telling you. And I said, Mom, you're going to have to give me some reasons. And without missing a beat, it was like she was reading off a script. I kept looking at her to see where she was coming up with this. She said three things. She said, ever since you were little, you've had a heart for God. And I said, you're right about that. She said, ever since you were little, uh, you cared and loved people. And she was right about that. And she said, thirdly, ever since you were little, you've been big and loud. And God uses big and loud people. Now, church, here's what's amazing. Is mom up to that point, I mean, she saw me when I was naked coming out of the womb. She saw me for 23 years prior to that. She had never mentioned this before. She never mentioned that before, and she has never, and we have never talked about it since. The power of a godly mother speaking into my life on that particular day forever changed the call of God upon my life. And I don't know why it was that day that mom chose to speak into my life but as a 23 year older I picked up the phone the next day. I called Texas A&M, and I unenrolled there. I picked up the phone. That was back in the day when the phone was connected to the wall. And I called Dallas Theological Seminary, and I enrolled at DTS, and forever my, my, my life was changed. Amen for that. The power, the power of God speaking through a person into our life to change us at those particular moments. Is there an amen that's in the room today? It's what we want to talk about today. The title of today's message is called The Barnabas Effect. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. The Barnabas Effect, releasing the potential of God in the lives of other people. The Barnabas Effect, releasing releasing the potential of God in, in other people's lives. Acts chapter 9 is a very, very dangerous chapter. It's a game changer. And what we're going to see in Acts chapter 9 is God is on the move. And what we're going to see is the process by which God moves his people to accomplish God-given things. We're going to see the process of how God accomplishes his will in the lives of other people. Acts chapter 9 begins with a religious Jewish fundamentalist. Do not be surprised about what's going on in the Middle East right now with ISIS. There's a lot of fear that's going on. It's always been there. And not only has it always been there, but God has always been on the move of taking the most fundamentalist and moving in their life right now. It did not surprise me at all if God were moving in the same way now that he was moving in Acts chapter 9. As I believe right now over there in Syria and Iraq that God is moving in the lives of one of those ISIS-oriented guys that we see on the film strips, that God is moving in the lives of the heart because that's the kind of God that we have. Amen for that? God is not put off by the evil of our world. God triumphs over it, and God also allows us. To try to figure that one out. But in Acts chapter 9, God is going to win the heart of Saul, and he does it in such a God kind of a way. Saul is on the hoof. He is out to collect some Christians to put on his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, his, his ringer. And then on the way there, God blinds him, grabs his heart, and a real, real interesting evangelistic uh, line there. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it forever changes Saul's life. Scales come off. Ananias gets the assignment of going back. Understand, we're moving really quickly. We're going to be in verses 26 to 28. Ananias comes back to him and and is the mouthpiece to Saul and says, Saul, you are God's anointed instrument to carry out my work to the Gentiles. What a God that we have. If you're a youth that's here today and, and you're thinking you've got to get religious and get righteous and get all that collar stuff in place for God to use you, God has an incredible capacity to use those people that are the least likely to accomplish great things for him. Amen for that? Who would have thought at that time that Saul would be the guy that would change his name to Paul that would write more scripture than we have in the New Testament than anybody else? But that's the kind of God that we have. And so as soon as Saul gets converted, what does he do? He starts preaching. Can you imagine the headlines in the chalfont dualstown area if something like that happened? Yeah, right. Probably us as the church would be the ones that would have the most, what, reticence in believing it. And that's exactly what happens. Paul, Saul starts to preach. He starts to preach boldly. The Jews start to persecute him, which becomes somewhat of the theme there. And if Saul is going to have a platform, he's going to have to go back to the epicenter of the movement. He's going to have to go back to Jerusalem. And so let's pick up the story in verse 26. And I want you to see what happens, and I want you to think about this through the lens of the spiritual dominoes. What is the domino that pushes Saul to become Paul to extend the kingdom? What is the domino that is pushed in this room? A Shirley Ann Fry who spoke into her son's life that forever changed the course of his life to instead of being on the sidelines of a football field, to be standing in front of people around the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? I want you to see the movement of that. So, Saul, let's pick up the story in verse 26. When he, Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Key word here, B-U-T, it's the contrast word, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Not going to ask for a show of hands today, but how many would have been in that same camp? Uh, if we were to round up, it would be in the 90%. Most of us in here would have some key, verifiable objections to believing in this person, right? What's our next word? In the NIV, verse 27, what does it begin with? What's the it begin in your, in your Bible? Contrast word again. Saul comes to the leaders of the early Christian church, and he tries to establish himself, but they were what? They were afraid. But now the other contrast. but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. When we stand with faith and is not put off by fear, there's an effect that happens to that. Look at verse 28, the effect. Look what happens, the Barnabas effect. When Barnabas stood on behalf of Paul, what's the word in 28? So, as a result, therefore, what happened? Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Jump down to verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and it was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's sovereign. God's sovereignty always passes through people to accomplish his will. Can I get an amen for that today in church? God is sovereign and we believe totally in who he is. But God has chosen to choose people to be the instruments of the way that he moves in people's lives. God can get it done because God's God created the world in seven days without even using his hands. Spoke things into being. God can do that because God is God. But God has chosen to use his people to be the means of making that happen. Are you ready for this? God has even chosen to limit his timetable in accomplishing things to wait for his people to be the instruments of getting those things accomplished. Now, that's a little different than how we think, isn't it? God, 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 would you you, you just clear up the Middle East still? Just wiggle your nose and make things happen. Like, just be God. Just do that. God doesn't do that. God has purposes that he uses his people to get them in alignment with God's will, and then he accomplishes that. Why is that? Because God chooses to share his glory with his people so that we can be a part of that. Wow. Wow. So I want to look at the Barnabas effect today. I want to look at the uniqueness of Barnabas. Get your pencils out, pens, uh, excuse me, iPads, whatever you use now. Six times in the book of Acts we see Barnabas. And six times we see Barnabas. What is Barnabas doing? Barnabas is leading the movement of the early church. Acts chapter 4. Just write these down. I would encourage you to go back and do some meditation on it. This has really been impactful to me. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 9, where we are right now. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 13. In two places in Acts chapter 15. Once again, Acts chapter 4, the first time we hear of him. Acts chapter 9, where we are today. Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 13, and twice in Acts chapter 15, we see this man Barnabas that keeps showing up. Question is, why why does one guy get a lot of the ink at the early start of the early church? Because the early church was an initial movement. And as an early movement begins to take place, and as an early movement is struggling with the challenges that could wipe that early movement out, you need somebody that is full of some unique attributes so that the movement will continue. Acts chapter eleven twenty five 25 says the two unique attributes of Barnabas was that he was what? He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was full of faith. Said another way, Barnabas did not see life with his physical eyes. Barnabas saw life with his spiritual heart, and his spiritual heart guided his eyes. Therefore, Barnabas saw things that other people did not see. Barnabas did things that other people did not do. And as a result, Barnabas accomplished things that other people did not accomplish. Why? Because Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of faith. Amen for that? Amen for that. Let me let me just be a pastor here for just a minute. We're not preaching today uh, a good sermon so that we can leave here today and walk home, and just feel good inside. We need encouragement. I need encouragement. My life and my family right now, we're at a critical juncture of our life. We're making some big decisions about our future, and we need people to speak into our life. I I can't see my sin in my life. Pride is such a beast in my life that I need a bride in my life to point out, Ernie, you sure are using this first-person singular a lot. I, 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 I got an eye addiction and so do you and I need a bride in my life to help me become the humble, Jesus-oriented person that I need to be. Amen for that? I can't become who God wants me to be apart from other people. And as a pastor, I would say this, one of the most essential ingredients and characteristics that we need at Grace Community Church, at Central Church in Memphis, and the Ethiopian Church in Africa, is Barnabas' and Barnabina's who see life filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with faith. Amen for that. Parents, you know the statistics. 70% of Christian kids, Christian kids, we're not talking pagan kids with horns on their head. 70% of Christian kids that sit on nice air-conditioned auditoriums on church graduate from high school and go to college and say goodbye to their faith. 70%. Is it a church problem or is it a family problem? But I have to imagine that something is not happening inside that home where a godly mom and dad is speaking life into their children. A church helps in that, but the church responsibility does not supersede the family's responsibility. It's a mom or dad to speak life into the kids' Yes, they have their choices. Yes, we cannot program our kids to become like Jesus. But yes, we can breathe the Shirley Ann Fry kind of life into our kids to speak Jesus into them. Amen for that. I want to be a Barnabas to my daughters. I want to be a Barnabas to see them walking with Jesus. I want my wife to be a Barnabina. She is. We never call her that. Amen. So let's look at some characteristics of of great encouragers, right? Point number one, this is not in your, we don't have an outline, but let me just give it to you. Characteristics of great encouragers, characteristic number one of great encouragers, they identify the dreams and the needs and the potentials in other people even when those people don't see it themselves. Let me say that again. Great encouragers identify the dreams and the skills and the abilities, and the needs, in other people, even when they don't see it in themselves. Question on the table, do you think Saul really understood the prophecy that was prayed over him? Do you really think Saul understood how it was going to happen for him to become the persecutor of Christians, to become the writer of New Testament epistles? No, he didn't. Do you, do you think he understood what it was going to take for him to get there? I don't think so. And so here is Barnabas sitting in the atmosphere of the early church epicenter, sitting around the table, watching things taking place, watching physically with his eyes the reticence and the resistance and the heisman that they put upon him to keep him from, from being accepted. And Barnabas, what? He stood up and he identified that God had his hand on Saul's life and he stood up on behalf of him. Amen for that. Why? full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. And he identified that God was moving in the life of Saul. For those of you that know Jesus today, aren't you glad that some people did not give up on you? As an early pastor here at Grace Community Church, I praise God that you guys did not give up on me when I had Jesus' legs cut off. Man, I had more losses in ministry than wins in ministry during those years. And you guys saw something in a, in a pastor that I hadn't even seen in myself. You saw something in Anna and I. You saw something in Anani and Morgan. And then Meredith was born. And we didn't even see it ourselves. And this church breathed life into us when we were going through some very rough times as a starting pastor in a starting pastor family in a little church that was struggling to get momentum for the glory of God. Amen for that. You identified that there was something there in us. Characteristic number two. We attach ourselves to the success of somebody else, even at the cost of our own reputation. Let me say that again. Number one, identify the dream skills, gifts, and abilities in the lives of somebody else. Secondly, it goes a lot deeper than that. We attach our reputation to their reputation, even if it means the loss of our own reputation. Can you imagine Barnabas in this passage? Fellas, you can trust my reputation because I have seen these things in Saul. I've seen him with my own eyes. I've seen the transformation of his heart. And you can trust in him because I'm putting my testimony on the life for him. Praise God for that. He was willing to put his reputation out there. Let me me ask you this. Does, Does Grace Community have a vision to see lost people come to know Jesus Christ? Just a show of hands. How many would raise their hands and say that's part of our vision? Do you know what that means? Lost people are lost. Lost people use profanity. Lost people tell stories that are off color and high-five each other afterwards. Lost people do things that lost people do. If we're going to see lost people come to know Jesus Christ, it's going to be some of us putting our reputation on the line to see others come to know Jesus Christ. We might even have to do a thing called associate with people that don't know the Lord. And when we do that, there will be people in the church that accuse us of what? Lowering and compromising our reputation on the sake of others. I'll be honest, I'm going to put my lot in with Jesus. You remember the reputation that went along with Jesus? What did they say about him? He was a friend of. A little bit louder. He was a friend of. And who hated that? The Pharisees hated that. Why doesn't he just hang out with us? We're the holy rollers. And Jesus put his reputation on the life. for others. let's just say it again. Jesus got himself killed for that kind of a reputation. Parents, you got some children right now that are not walking with Jesus. Engaged in some stuff that you're not all that excited about for them. You're still a parents. You still got to attach yourself to their life and be a willingness to lay your reputation on the line for the sake and the call of Jesus in your children's life. Amen for that. Thirdly. This is where it gets really interesting. Book of Acts, how many chapters are in the book of Acts? Anybody know? 28. The last time that we hear of Barnabas in the book of Acts is Acts chapter 15. Why is that? Third point, identify the gifts, skills, and abilities in the lives of other people. Attach ourselves. Attach our reputation, attach our life to somebody else, even if it means what? Our reputation being lowered thirdly. Release the potential of others, even if it means that their trajectory would rise above ours. Said another way, to release the potential of others, even if it means their ministry surpassing our own. Do you know why we don't hear of Barnabas after Acts chapter 15? Because Barnabas had raised up Paul to be the leader in the early church. He had discipled Paul and he had spoken truth into Paul's life and Paul had gifts that had been prophesied over him that God raised him up and he surpassed Barnabas. But Barnabas was the domino that God used for Saul and Paul to become who God had for him. Amen for that. In my line of work as pastors, we struggle with that last point. I don't mind being an encourager to somebody that has lesser gifts than mine. But as soon as somebody has a little bit better speaking gift or a little bit better talent, we're we're a little afraid of letting that person be on the rise. Why? Because that person's reputation might surpass my reputation, and people might be thinking that he's more anointed than I am. I'm telling you, us in the ministry, we have some sicknesses inside of us. That's why I love Barnabas, is Barnabas saw the potential of God in somebody else called Paul, and he leveraged that even if it meant what? Paul carrying the headlines in the print. You got those three points? You got them? Any kind of physical response, a nod, an amen, a show of hands, objection, saliva, something, please. Can you preach those? Can you live those? Ann and I had the privilege this last couple weeks to living in a rented apartment in the Woodlands, Texas right now. We had the chance in the last couple weeks to See our neighbors come to know Jesus Christ. They they share the wall that's next to our little townhouse. Four o'clock in the morning a couple weeks ago, there was some awful stuff going on next door, a lot of language that would be considered inappropriate for church settings. Anne had the privilege to lead Sierra to the Lord. A couple days later, I had the privilege to lead Mick to the Lord. They're raw. They are just raw. But I don't see him as being raw. I see him as being a couple that over time their marriage is strong and their kids are strong and they're living for Jesus Christ. Amen for that? I believe that God has something for this church as we live out the Barnabas in other people's life. Um, two years in Africa. I left a church in Memphis. I'd been there about nine years. I'd gotten a Ph.D. in missions. And uh, if anybody knows me, I'm a restless soul can't believe I was at a church for nine and a half years. That's an absolute miracle that God cemented me there for that long. I had an African that came from Ethiopia. and He was working in discipleship in the country of Ethiopia. And he said, would you come work with me in Ethiopia? I said, what are we going to do? And he listed five things and all of them sounded sweet. And uh, I was burned out. And all of them sounded fantastic. And I wanted our family to have an experience of, do we really believe what we've been preaching for the last years? Do we really believe that God's faithful? Do we really believe that if we cut ties with our church, that God is faithful to financially support us, being 48 and 49 with three girls that are planning on going to college and and school after that? Is is God sufficient in that? And and God said, yeah. And we went to Ethiopia, and Grace, I just got to tell you, we went over there in a Barnabas support role. I went over there, and and my boss was my Ethiopian partner named Esaias. Uh, I had, uh, for the first year, I had no office. I officed in coffee shops. And I came from a very nice situation in Memphis. And and we came over there, and and we partnered, and we barnabas with the Ethiopian church. The Ethiopian Colloquia Church is a denomination of 8 million people with 8,000 churches. And understand, I'm a non-denominational Bible guy. I I never knew the power of denomination, and my partner has created these two denominational discipleship strategies that are reaching 8 million people in a country. And Africa is a continent with large mega denominations, and God birthed something over there as we came over there in a Barnabas support role to to leverage the African church so that they might experience and release the potential of God's glory for that. Amen for that? We're talking 40,000 people gathered in a field for a prayer meeting, No blankets. No food. No special children's programs, no special youth programs. Four hours underneath the hot sun, worshiping the Lord, listening to sermons. And now let's get on our knees for prayer. And they lay down on their faces in the sun. After that, it's time for the offering. This village brings a cow. The other village brings a cow to sell it to the church so that they can use the proceeds. For villages that don't have cows, they bring their sheep. For villages that don't have sheep, they bring their goats. For villages that don't have sheep and goats, they bring their textiles that they have woven, that they now give to the church to use. If you don't have that, you bring your honey. And if you don't have that, you bring your salt. And if you don't bring that, then you bring your homemade butter. And they lay their out for the, God, for the glory of the Lord. A very poor country, but it's a very rich country because they have everything in the Lord. Amen for that. And we had the privilege to be a Barnabas in that situation. And I don't know what God's doing with us. I don't know if God's calling us back to pastor here in the U.S. or if God's calling us to be back overseas, but I do know this is I want to be somebody for the course of my life that God uses to release the potential in other people. Amen for that. Amen for that. I want you to see a video right now. Some of you have seen it. And if you're not an athlete, we'll pray for you. But uh, I just want you to see this video. Some of you have seen it. If you're you're anywhere near a computer, you've probably seen it. But I I want you to watch this. And before you play it, I, I want you to see it through what we've talked about today. The Barnabas effect. Identify the gifts. Identify the abilities. Sweetheart, you can do that. Buddy, you can do that. You can do that. Attaches themselves to the success of somebody else. Releases the potential, even if that means the other person's trajectory in ministry in church is much bigger than ours for the glory of God. I want you to watch this. 1992 Barcelona Olympics. 1992, yeah. World 400-meter champion, Dennis Redman from Great Britain. I was 28 years of age, and I was watching that live. 28 years old, I was in the middle of my athletic awe stage, and I remember watching that. Guy falls down. This guy starts coming out of the stands. Who's this guy coming out of the stands? This is the Olympics. Nobody does that. He hops on the field. They let him hop on the field. He grabs this dude, throws him over the shoulder, and I'm watching it as an athlete and some slow rollers out of the east start forming. I'm on the front three inches of my chair, and I'm watching this thing. And he crosses the finish line, and what they don't record here, announcer throws a microphone in front of the guy's face, and he asks two questions. He says, who are you and why did you do what you did? And he says, I'm the man's father, and I wanted to see my son cross the finish line. And now I'm 51, and I'm a pastor. And there's a bigger story than just the athletic story, right? They captured it a little bit with the print. But the bigger story is what? Each and every one of us have pulled more than a hamstring, haven't we? Every single one of us in here have fallen short of the glory of God, right? And Jesus Christ, what? came out of the stands, came down from heaven. And our old church, there's the cross, and put himself on the cross and picked us up so that we might cross the finish line. In light of our message today, Jesus has barnabas us. And because Jesus has barnabas us, he has given us the strength to what? To Barnabas, other people. And in for that, a couple questions. And then we're going to go to prayer and fall on our face in front of the Lord. (laughs) Who has been your Barnabas? Who has been there for you? Who has spoken into your life? When you didn't even know you had anything, or if you had something, you'd fallen away, or you came to a season of your life that became broken. Came to season of your life that you haven't heard from the Lord in a while. Who was it that, that that spoke life back into you? Who was it that was full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith and said, I believe in you. I believe in you. Let's give you a shot. And I know your story, and I'll give you a shot anyway. Who's done that for you? Can you just rehearse that in your mind right now? For many of you, it will be Pastor Keith. Who, he and his bride who come alongside you. Some dark moments of your life. It's been there for you. For many of you, it's it's mom or dad. My dad's 85 right now. He's got about a 45-second memory loop. But every time I'm with him, he looks me in the face and says, Son, I'm proud of you. And then he knocks on the window when I drop him off. 51, and it still makes me dance. So, who is it that has Barnabas? You? Who is it that, that put their life on the line for your God-given potential? Let's change the question. Who is it that you were Barnabas? In? If your parents, you don't have to think outside your home. If your parents, first and foremost, it's your bride. That you Barnabas and you Barnabina, they're your first priority. After your wife and your home, it's your children. that They may walk with Jesus Christ and they might enjoy the fullness of that and that you might be a parent who is breathing the fire of God and of Jesus into your child's life. So God has put there, it might be the people that you're associated, where you live, your neighbors that are around you, the, the people that you associate with. Well, you just don't know my neighbors. That's probably what they say about you, too. You don't know my neighbor. Well, let me just ask this question, if you'll let me. And I'm the preacher and I control it, so let me just ask it. What kind of reputation do you have with your mouth? Are you full of the fire of God? Are you full of faith? Do you see those situations? from the perspective of a biblical optimist a biblical optimist that is full of what the resurrection power of jesus on the cross and therefore that controls the way you look at your circumstances or are you an earth oriented person that sees things from the circumstance and if you are like that you will miss the power of god in all circumstances are you see somebody that that sees and complains about the reality. Anybody can complain. Anybody can see the reality of it. But are you seeing somebody that sees the Jesus-oriented dimension of life? Amen for that? Amen for that? I want to be that. I want to be one of those. I want to be that kind of a father. I want to be that kind of a husband. I want to be that kind of a man, not a pastor, but a man that brings the dead to life. It's a dangerous passage, isn't it? The domino has been pushed. Wow. And from Paul to Europe, from Europe, where? To the U.S. From the U.S. to my German Christian family, where my great-great-great-great grandfather Fries brought the gospel with them from Germany to my home, so that in 2015, my wife and my daughters walk with Jesus. The domino has been pushed. Where's that domino going to collide next? Where's it going to push into? Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Uh, Before you bow your head and assume the posture of the closing prayer, the altar's available today. The altar's available today. You can't listen to a message that we've listened to today without asking the question, where am I on that scale of being a Barnabas? Maybe today's a day of of getting on your knees up here at the altar. It might be a day that uh, it's time for you to get some things right with the Lord. It might be a day that uh, you've been living for earthly things and you've forgotten what the power of Christ has done in your life and in our life together. It might be a day that that you're an American, and Americans think about who? Ourselves. We're pre-programmed to be self-indulgent. And maybe a day is today for me to repent for my selfishness, to realize that God has called me to the people around me. Amen for that. Repentance is like spiritual floss. Repentance just gets those places of our heart that needs to be cleansed up. So maybe today is is one of those days. Maybe today is a day that, that you've never met the most powerful thing that's ever happened to you. You've never met Jesus. And let me just tell you, Jesus isn't a worship song. Jesus picks dead, lifeless people with pulled hamstrings and broken hearts. And speaks life back into them. Jesus is the restorer of marriages. Patrice, amen for that. My mom died. And we miss her. I miss that woman's coffee breath. She's in heaven. I'm going to see her. And before I see her again, I want to be able to have something to say to her when I get to heaven. Because there's two conversations I'm going to have when I get to heaven. The first one's going to be Jesus, and the second one's going to be with my mom. It might be the other way around. She's going to ask me what she always asks me. Are you selling out for the Lord? Jesus, I don't know what you saw in us. I don't know what you see in us. God, you blessed us so much. You blessed us so much. And God, we're the kind of people that don't even know that that blessing comes from you. God, today we celebrated communion. We celebrated, God, that the, 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 the doors are open between us and God. That the Father looks down at us and embraces us as sons and daughters not because we're struggling with a pornography problem, but he embraces us because Jesus has made the door open and available. God, you, you've barnabust us, and you've picked us up, and you've blown, blown your life back into us. God, thank you for that. Can we, can we as a church just say thank you? Just say thank you out loud or under your breath or, or to your bride. Can we say thank you for what Christ has done for us? thank you God thank you God and God now we would ask that lord you would fill us with the holy Spirit and you would fill us with faith so that but God we might be the Barnabases that you need that you need in us in the day and age in which we live God, I I want to be a Barnabas pastor. I want to be a Barnabas missionary. I want to be a Barnabas father. I want to be a Barnabas uh, husband. I want to be a Barnabas friend. I I want to speak life into people. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the example of Barnabas that God was used to empower Paul. God, I thank you that you pushed the dominoes and that those dominoes are falling. And God, I pray that grace might be a church, God, that continues with an amazing movement in the Chalfont, Doylestown, North Penn, North Wells area. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Just you join us? You together. Who beats the power of and sings in in our wonder.